please remain standing, if you will. I gave you the gesture to sit. Remain standing, if you will. And uh, as we join together in reading our passage of Scripture this morning from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You have that before you? Would you read along with me? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. The Word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Please be seated, and if you are inclined to do so, there is an outline of this morning's message, and encourage you to uh, use that as we look at God's Word together. Let me just take a moment to bring us all to the same page together, in case you haven't uh, been with us the last uh, Sunday or two. We're in the midst of a series of messages entitled, Family Counseling Without Anyone Knowing. You see, the reason for this is that there's no perfect family, and uh, even though hopefully all of us have vibrant, strong, healthy families, the reality is that um, all of us, uh, at some point or another, or most of us, I should say, um, have times of conflict or difficulty or issues in our families that uh, need some special attention. And, uh, but the problem is that uh, a lot of us... Seeking out family counseling is the last thing in the world we would do because we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, we'd wonder what the neighbors might think. And so uh, we're using in these times of preaching and worship, we're, we're discussing things that you would typically hear in a counselor's office were you to go and seek out family counseling. And so the beauty of this is that um, uh, you may be here this morning uh, listening intently to the, the counseling side. And the beauty is that nobody knows. Because as far as the other people on your row are concerned, you may be here for the worship. So whether you're here for the worship, or whether you're here for the counseling, or whether you're here hopefully for both, welcome. The topic for today that so often brings uh, conflict into the family is crucial. The difference between a marriage and a family failing or a marriage and a family succeeding, the difference between a family staying together or a family splitting up has to do with the element of care that exists among the people in that home. Caring for one another. If care is there, if you have it, there's great hope. If you don't, the family is in some serious trouble. And there's not much to work with. If I were meeting with a family in a counseling situation, and if I heard comments like this, I don't care if we stay together. 
I don't care what you think. I don't care if you are unhappy. I don't care if you don't like my drinking. If what I hear is a steady, the, the predominant attitude that others have is I don't care, the prospects of that family becoming whole and happy are pretty slim. On the other hand, if in a counseling situation I hear these kinds of comments coming from the family, I care about you, and I want this to work. I care that you feel abandoned and forgotten by us. I care about you, even though we disagree. When I hear a steady stream of, I care, I care, I care, then that gives me hope because it gives me a legitimate hope that whatever it is that is dividing and bringing dysfunction into that family can be overcome. So the question for you this morning, for all of us is, how much do you care about and care for the people in your family? And an even more important question, how can we care more? Now, as always, the best counsel for any family situation or problem is found in God's Word, in Scripture, and that's the case today. And in just a minute, I want to take a portion of the text we read a moment ago and see how they provide some powerful insight into nurturing and building strong relationships with one another. But before I even get to that, I want to first of all establish what is the most important thing above anything else, and that is this. The most important thing in, in coming to terms with relationships within your family is, number one, make your relationship with Jesus Christ the most important relationship in your life. You see... To care for those in your family in the way that they need and deserve, to care for one another requires a heart that is filled with compassion and kindness and respect and understanding and a heart that rather than being focused on self is focused on the other. Nobody can nurture and mold that kind of heart in you like Jesus Christ. Christ. And so any effort to care for the people in your family without the benefit of the primary relationship of Jesus Christ and his spirit molding and shaping and forming and equipping you is going to be short-sighted and your family is going to be the ones that don't get the full benefit of what they need and deserve. You see, it is when, we, when that relationship with Jesus Christ is first and foremost and his spirit is forming and shaping us that we are given that which we need to have the most meaningful and effective and positive relationships with everybody else. So that's number one. 
It is our relationship with Christ that ramps up, if you will, our capacity to care for others. I think that's part of what the Scripture means when it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So, having said that, how do we develop a more genuine, authentic, caring for one another? Now, you you might say, well, Stuart... uh, Caring is just something automatic that comes to our family. It's inherent. Well, yes, you would hope that a certain degree of caring for one another is just kind of natural. But the level of care required for a family to flourish and be whole and provide the level of care that people within that family so desperately long for, that requires some intentionality. It has to be developed. So what does Scripture say to us, particularly this passage, that can help? Well, I want to lift up three things. The first is this. We care about the people in our family when we take an interest in their life, in their Life. Look what Paul is saying. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. That's applicable everywhere, but nowhere is that more important than in our home. How would your family life, how would your home be different if you were better at taking an interest in the lives of of others, not just your own. Early in my marriage, uh, I was uh, very, very naive. And I learned a very valuable lesson uh, one day. In those early days, uh, one of the things I enjoyed most doing was coming home at the end of the day and sharing with my wife, Becky, all the things that I had done that day. And so I would tell her about the people that I met. I would tell her about the plans that I have for ministry. I would tell her about maybe a meeting that I had attended. And I went on and on and on. And Becky uh, sat there and she listened very patiently. But one day, it happened. She had had enough And after I had spent the better part of 30 minutes or so telling her about all the things that had gone on in that day that I had done, she looked at me and she said, Has it ever occurred to you to ask me about my day? You know, I've got a life too. And it sure would be nice if you would show as much interest in my life as you do your own. Man. Now, I got the message loud and clear. And I'd like to tell you that that's all that it took. But she had to say that several more times over the following weeks and months until I really got it. 
And I could have avoided all that conflict and that tension had I simply followed this biblical admonition. Each of you should take an interest in the lives of others, not just yourself. I guarantee you, some of the problems that you might be facing in your household, if you have them, some of the problems that you're facing, some of the tension that's keeping you at odds, I guarantee you is either caused by or accentuated by you're not taking enough interest in the lives of the other people and you're simply caring only or mostly about yourself. To care means that you take their lives. They, they take that you care about what's going on in their life. You take an interest. Now, let me just offer some simple suggestions here. What if you were to make a commitment this week that at least once a day you say something, you write something, you communicate one positive relational remark to each member of your family, something that conveys that you care about them. For example, uh, to say to your son or daughter, I'm going to be thinking about you today when you take that test. I know you've been worried about it, but I have all the confidence in the world that you're going you're to do great. Or you call up that son who has moved away from home, or you send him a note and just say, your mom and I started out today praying, thanking God for you, and we just hope that you're going to have a wonderful day today. I know you've had a lot of things on your mind, but we are so proud of you. We care so much about you. See, those simple gestures are going to convey caring to that other person. But not only that, and this is the important thing, as you do that, as you invest in those simple gestures of communicating caring, those gestures are going to, over time, do something in you. They're going to develop in you a greater capacity to care. A greater capacity to look not only to your own interest, but to think about the interest of others. And if you do that long enough, you won't even have to think about it. It'll just become part of your DNA. So, to care for one another means that we take an interest in their life. The other side of that equation is this. This is the second thing. We care about one another when we include them in our life. In other words, include them in your life. It's not only taking an interest in their life, it's including them in yours. I know a young family today whose life has been a little bit disrupted, sometimes a lot disrupted, because the husband, this young family, the husband is not adequately including his wife and his son in his life. 
He's not a bad husband. He, he loves his wife. He loves his family. But he's not adequately including them in his life. You see, he'll work all day. And then at the end of the day, rather than coming home, uh, he's going to go play a couple of games of softball in the, in the community softball league. And he'll maybe grab a sandwich on the way to the softball, to the ballpark. Uh, he might notify his wife or he might not. And he'll play well into the night, and then as soon as the games are over, rather than rushing home, uh, he's inclined to just hang out for another 30 minutes or an hour with some of his buddies, maybe go get a drink somewhere. And by the time he gets home, his little boy is sound asleep, his wife is exasperated and irritated that yet one more night she has spent by herself. Now, he doesn't understand this, but what he is conveying to his family is this. I care more about me than I care about you. That scenario has probably played out many, many times in this town. The scripture that we're looking at this morning, it warns us against selfish ambition or vain conceit. Why? Because those two attitudes foster an attitude that says, it's about me. It's about me. And left unattended, that attitude can result in us isolating us from our family to the point that we're spending no time with our children, no time with our spouse, doing our own thing, and never inviting them into our life. When you care for your family, you include them in your life, you include them in your schedule. When you have some unexpected free time, you don't think about how you can spend time with your buddies at work or the people at you, the, the people in your family are the first people you think about is, how can I spend time with them? Okay. A couple of weeks ago, Joanne and Brooke and Victor came and they shared with us about the Zoe Project in Kenya. Uh, the Zoe Project um, is a ministry there that we're going to be in, increasingly involved in as time goes on uh, of, of caring for orphans whose parents have died of age or perhaps in, in some of the tribal conflicts in that part of the world. And the orphans come and they live there and they're taught a trade. My heart goes out to those orphans. But you know what concerns me just as much? It's the emotional orphans that we have here in, in Noonan. Now, you say, well, what do you mean an emotional orphan? An emotional orphan is a child who physically they have a parent. But that parent is so busy, so preoccupied with their life, going here, doing that, that parent is so disengaged from the life and the spirit of that young child that they, for all impractical purposes, are absent. And so that child is an emotional orphan. You may very well have an emotional orphan in your house right now 
And you may not even know it. To care is to include our children, our spouse, our grandchildren, our husband, our wife into our life. Are you doing that at a level that is satisfactory to them? It may be satisfactory to you, but the more important question, is it satisfactory to them? And then thirdly, to care for our family means to treat them with respect and kindness. Respect and kindness. Any pastoral counselor or any marriage therapist will tell you that one of the surest signs of trouble in a relationship is when one partner treats the other with a lack of respect and absence of kindness in public. If a husband or a wife in a public setting makes cutting remarks, sarcastic remarks, designed to embarrass, to hurt, to make fun of their spouse, trust me, there's problems. One partner will make a sarcastic remark about the other being stupid or being inadequate or being overweight or some other demeaning adjective. And the other people in the room hear it and they, it makes them a little uncomfortable. So what they do is they just kind of make this awkward laugh. And yet the person making the statement uh, was not at all intending to be funny. They were intending to inflict pain. They were intending to embarrass. You don't do that to people you care about. If you find yourself doing that to somebody in your family, you need to think long and hard about what you're doing. Because that erodes any understanding that you have any kind of respect or kindness toward that other person. If you're on the receiving end of those comments, don't take those lightly. There's trouble there. Get some help. You see, when you care for others, you show them love, you show them respect, you show them kindness. Now, here's what's going to happen. When you do that, even if you may not in your spirit feel that in a overwhelming way of respect or kindness. When you show that, when you speak that, when you demonstrate that, not only does that lift the spirits of that other person, but here's what it does in you. It does something really important in you. Over time, it develops within you the capacity to be a more caring person. And you find that it comes more instinctively. So I would encourage you 
if you're concerned about your level of care toward a spouse or a child, go out of your way to demonstrate respect and kindness. And over time, those will come to define how you relate and how you feel about that person. I'll close with this. Very seldom do I ever pay much attention to the remarks of the flight attendant at the end of a flight. You're the same way. None of us sit there riveted at our seats waiting to hear what the flight attendant is going to say. However, I will never forget the message that a flight attendant shared with Becky and I and the 200 others on a flight from Utah to Atlanta. Upon arriving in Atlanta, and before we got to the gate, as soon as the plane set down and we're taxiing to the gate, the flight attendant comes over the microphone and says, and this is verbatim, she says, Welcome to Atlanta. Before we reach the gate, I have three requests of you. Number one, please remain seated until we reach the gate, seat belts fastened until the plane comes to a final stop. That one we expected. But she wasn't through. She said she had three things. She said, number two, life can be hard, and it helps to know there are people who care about you. So if you know the person seated next to you, give them a big hug right now and let them know how much you care about them and make that a habit. Three, she said, we often get so busy we neglect to show kindness to our family. So when you get a chance today, pick up the phone, and call that loved one you haven't seen lately and tell them how much you love them. Folks, that is a great way to end a flight. It's even a better way to live a life. Caring. I pray that a level of intense, authentic, genuine caring exists in your home. I pray that it's being expressed in tangible and significant ways. If it is not, continue to seek the help that you need. Continue to devote yourself first and foremost to your relationship with Jesus Christ and allow His Spirit to frame and mold and shape your heart so that you can contribute what you need to do to create that environment of a place where you genuinely care about one another. I started this message by saying that the most important thing is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's appropriate, therefore, that we conclude this conversation by celebrating the sacrament 
of the Lord's Supper. It is in, it is in sharing in this sacrament and availing ourselves to the prompting of the Spirit that we have an opportunity to confess our sin and to receive anew the Spirit and the goodness and the love of Christ. And so I want to ask this morning, as you come for the sacrament, to, to let this prayer be on your lips. Oh God, as I receive this sacrament, and as I invite you into my heart yet again today, increase my capacity to care so that the people with whom I share this life most will have no question as to how deeply I care for them. To prepare us for the sacrament, I invite you at this time, if you will, to take your hymnal and turn to page 15, where you'll find the ritual for the sacrament. you would join me on page 15 in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so with your people on earth and all the, the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said to them, This is my body broken for you. Every time you eat this, remember how much I care about you. Likewise, he took the cup and he said to them, This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. This cup is made available because I care deeply about you and have given my life so that you might discover yours. Every time you drink this, remember me. Oh God, just as Jesus offered the sacraments to you, we gathered in your house today ask that you would bless these elements and may they become for us symbols of the body and blood of Christ and may we find new life and strength through receiving them yet again. And it's in his name and in his spirit that we pray. Amen.